Good morning, everyone. This is Linda Santavica on Pressing Beyond. I am excited to introduce you to our next guest. We are hearing from Austin and Brack Webb, brothers and the brains behind Fifth Season, a robotic vertical farm. This innovative concept is not just about farm to plate, but also about bringing the most advanced technology to farming in order to grow healthy, good for the planet produce. Good morning, Austin and Brack. Hello, good morning. Good morning. Great Thank you for having us on. Okay, so I'm gonna be honest with you. When I was reading about fifth season, I was very curious and a little bit intimidated because I only know farming from the traditional sense where things grow from the ground and you go out there and pull the tomatoes or whatever from the ground. So first of all, I think it would be great if you just sort of explained what fifth season's about. Yeah. Why don't we start with what vertical farming is? And, and Brack, I'll hit some high level and I'll let you sort of jump in as well and then mention how we came up with the idea. So vertical farming is a new age method of growing plants where you can grow indoors and look to control the entire environment. So everything that the plant is getting from, from lighting to nutrients, uh, to how often it's being irrigated, uh, the temperature, the humidity, et cetera. And you can stack these like a bookshelf and go higher and, and be able to use more than just the 2D square foot footprint of the ground. This is a concept that has started to come about since greenhouses many years ago, the viability of LED lighting, which allowed you to really say, hey, instead of the, the sun, which you can't really determine, uh, especially here in Pittsburgh, uh, where it's not only cold and snowy for a lot of the year, but it's also cloudy in many cases, you're really able to sidestep that and provide what you'd like to your crops. However, there's really been an industry-wide struggle to make the economics work and to really take vertical farming from sort of this pipe dream of the future into an economic and working reality of today. And so how we really got started is that Brock and I are brothers. He's the older, smarter one. He's an engineer, and I've always been sort of a business-focused person as we started to grow up. We always sort of had this entrepreneurial fever where we thought, hey, you know, we could potentially really work together. And we've always been very close and so we ended up going our separate ways after we were living together, actually, in Washington, D.C. Uh, and Brack went to go work on a startup. And I actually, you know, was working uh, in investment banking. And I started getting the entrepreneurial fever even more because all of the folks that I worked with were the co-founders of their businesses. And I really left wanting to make this big impact in the world and try to solve some really hard problems. And so inevitably went to Carnegie Mellon, number one school in computer science, robotics, to get my MBA and to really see if there's something where we can, uh, you know, seek our teeth into. And month one, I was there, I met a tall, inky guy and he says, hey, my name's Austin. You know much about vertical farming? I said, hey, my name's Austin too. Uh, and yes, I do. I do know a little bit about it. And we really got together, put our brains with Brack and, and Brack ended up jumping ship over to, uh, to work with us at fifth season because we really need to redefine and reimagine from the ground up what vertical farming should look like. So there's so many industries with technology and your education. Brack, you went to Virginia Tech. Austin, you went to Carnegie Mellon. So there are so many initiatives. Why vertical farming? Yeah, absolutely. Brack, I'm going to let you hit on why we decided to pick something that's so hard and difficult, but I'll say, I'll say first, a big reason is because, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you feel really lucky when you get to solve one big problem. Mm -hmm. And here at Fifth Season, we, we feel we get to solve a handful. So we get to solve uh, food health, uh, no herbicides or pesticides on our food. We get to solve food security. 
being able to, to improve food deserts. We get to take a situation where agriculture is the number one use of, of fresh water and one of the largest contaminants of runoff pollution. And we're able to uh, avoid that, use up to 95% less water, up to 97% less land. So you really just get a ton of global problems that we think we can solve one community at a time with vertical farming. Brack, you should jump in because I know a big part of how we were able to convince you to leave San Francisco and you know, start Robotny for season with me was because you were just talking about how many challenges in one it is from a tech standpoint and, and to solve this huge problem that was not an easy thing to do. Yeah, certainly. I mean, from the get-go, it was pretty clear, you know, this was not going to be working on stuff that involves a lot of engineering and technical cross-functions, you know, between hardware and software and design, you know, was that we're going to, you know, expand that breadth to mechanical and electromechanical industrial considerations, but then operations and grow, we're going to be fifth season. We're going to sell fresh produce right to the consumer, uh, get it to them through uh, grocery stores. We needed to look at every step of this growing process. And so that is exciting as an engineer <laughs> to say, oh my yeah. gosh, I'm going to get to go. First of all, I think it's amazing that you left sunny California to come to Pittsburgh. One question, why the name Fifth Season? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm happy to have on this. This is awesome. We So you know, originally our name was Robotny. That, that's sort of what we came up with because we're like, look, we're doing robotics, doing botany. Robotny makes sense. And that was our very early days. You know, since then, a big reason why we come to the name Fifth Season is because as Brack was mentioning, when we went through a very early days of understanding, doing all of the customer discovery and really answering the leap of faith assumptions around this space, what we could make work, as we thought about that and realized we were creating this whole new system, we inevitably realized that we should really use our technology, our own technology. So essentially making all these tech products for ourselves to then sell the product directly to allow us to create a whole new kind of produce, a whole new definition of fresh taste. And not only would that be more fun, but we realized that was really the, the best way for us to come out and let the world really understand how different our technology uh, really is. And so with that, we realized that we really needed to rebrand and that Robotny is very much explaining a lot of the tech piece for ourselves internally, but fifth season externally really helps you start to understand this idea of a whole new definition of fresh. The idea that our technology creates an entire new season that otherwise could never exist before and is obviously also 24-7, 365. It does not matter when there's a blizzard right outside because in the fifth season, right, it's always the perfect environment for our plant. Well, I love the name Fifth Season. It's so appropriate. Now, there are two components as we've been talking, farming and technology. So how does it actually work? The technology integrate with the farming. Yeah, exactly. This is Bracken. Like I was saying earlier in the lead into this, we really had to reanalyze every step of the process. And so there's a couple of key fundamental things I think to look at. You know, even if you look at a greenhouse, it's completely controlled environmental agriculture, CEA, as people say. And that's why we're able to produce that perfect fifth season year round. You're almost looking at like a manufacturing environment for the plants. And so it was to understand that, look, we need to look at this as a system where we're going to go through that kind of indoor creation, even though we're making living plants as the product in that process. The second thing was to say, you know, what's the biggest difference between traditional agriculture, greenhouse agriculture, and then what is preventing vertical farming to work is this simple phrase is instead of bringing the people to the plants, we need to bring the plants to the people. 
and how it works, we start off by first having a system that we have done our grow science and learned by experimenting in our own season, in our own system, what needs to happen to create that perfect season for the plants. And our grow scientists have come up with these recipes that say, well, this is what the plant wants. And again, unlike outdoors, it's going to happen. You know, you set mm -hmm. your oven to 400 degrees and you put something in there for 30 minutes. Well, that's exactly what we're doing in our farm. We're not reacting to what's happened. We are telling it. Um, and they actually take that and the plants get scheduled to go in the farm for when they need to come out. And they actually ask the system for what they want. So we also, not only do we bring the plants to the people, we reverse the process as opposed to a person saying, okay, I'm going to go seed this. The system actually says, hey, we'd like to seed this today. That's what we need to do from production. But then once they put that in there, the, the system takes those plants and takes it into our grow environment. Uh, where it is human free. The plants are asking, hey, this is the light spectrum that I want. This is the light intensity that I want. These are the nutrients that I want and how often I want them. This is the temperature I need to be at. And the system is then giving it to them. And that's where the robotic aspect kind of takes over to say, this is what's available in those spaces. Therefore, I know I can bring this in to fulfill this recipe for you. And it takes care of it. And that's sort of a warehousing aspect. And then it comes back out to the people when it's ready. And on that day, that's when you know the system is saying, hey, please harvest me. And when it meets our high standards, we put that through our automated harvesting process and automated packaging process, and boom, it's ready to go that. And then either that day or the next day, it's going to get to a store shelf or even directly to your porch. So that's how the whole system kind of works when you simplify it to the look at that production line versus the warehouse storing of the grow environment, the plants asking the system what they need to do, and that general concept of those plants are coming to the people uh, as opposed to the other way around. There's a lot of benefits to what you're doing too. I mean, you're using less water, less land, which I would think sets you apart from your standard traditional farming. What I want to know is you're located in Braddock. Why did you choose Braddock? We chose Braddock for a number of reasons and, and want to do the same as we take what we've done in Braddock and expand to other communities like it, which is that Braddock is this wonderful community that's very resilient. And it has certainly had, you know, a little bit uh, down on its luck, you could say, since the collapse of, of the steel mill industry in the 80s. And there's just a lot of really hardworking folks there that mm -hmm. are still part of the fact that Braddock, which is where the Braddock Press was invented by Andrew Carnegie, one of the original steel mills is right nearby really felt, look, we can come in and we believe, obviously, of course, that with everything that Brack just mentioned, we're the new industry defining company around a new age of food production. But on top of that, we wanted to go in uh, to a community like Braddock because we can really be a part of the community in so many ways. And as you were mentioning, this ties to all the benefits of farming, because in addition to the less water and the less land, we're able to increase food access. We're able to have longer shelf life so it doesn't go as bad. There's not as much food waste. And we're able to go in and create economic development inside the community, create new ag jobs, new manufacturing jobs mm -hmm. inside the city that have never existed before. And really, in a lot of cases, we think can be this nice bridge to the sort of the workforce of the future. All of that has been super rewarding. And, you know, when COVID-19 hit as well, we were already part of, of donations and really helping out in the fact that Braddock itself is a food desert. Obviously, COVID-19 really strained that even further. Uh, and so we really wanted to help out our neighbors. So we've delivered over a thousand meals to date. 
We've also done a lot of buy one, give one programs, including buy one, give one, and some of those going to our healthcare workers during these difficult times of the pandemic. And so it's for all those reasons why we chose Braddock. It's for all those social impact pieces that are a part of our DNA here. And so we're really excited to be part of the community. They've been fantastic. We've got around half the folks literally from Braddock proper, and then another half from, from some surrounding communities. So we hire completely local and for all those reasons. But in many ways, yeah. it feels like Braddock chose us too. Yeah, and that you're keeping people employed and you are a huge influence there. How big is the organization? Yeah, we're a little over 50 now in total. We have 30 corporate heads, and then we have uh, another set of folks that are uh, every day at the farm. That's fantastic. As far as your location, do you see yourself expanding, opening other vertical farms elsewhere? Absolutely. Brack and his team have created a repeatable platform where Mm -hmm. we can really take the blueprints of what Mm -hmm. we've built in Braddock and then go do the same in other communities like Braddock, not just here in the Pittsburgh and Western PA region where we will be building additional facilities, but also Mm -hmm. in other locations uh, across the U.S. that we've already started identifying and citing. So our plan is to grow and, and grow as quickly as we can so that we can spread the impact positively across communities and cities a lot like Pittsburgh. That's wonderful. Now, given that this is the first time I've ever heard about vertical farming, are there other organizations like yours? There are a few others. And in fact, there's a few others that actually started you know, before we did. What's interesting, of course, is the big differences that we have. And what's important to note around our differences are, are this, really, that we approached this new age fresh food production differently than anyone else. We really reimagined it from the ground up. Mm -hmm. The idea of a blank warehouse and a blank slate. And so unlike others, instead of taking farming from outdoors to indoors, we've really transformed it, as as Brack was mentioning, into a smart manufacturing Mm -hmm. application, right? Instead of sort of taking this manual operation and then over time trying to say, hey, how do we figure out how to make it more efficient incrementally? We really took technology, combined it with plant science, and really created an entirely new operational playbook with this end-to-end efficiency to, again, make it so that this fresh food that's fresher than you've ever had before, better for you, longer lasting, would actually be at an affordable price because you don't want to have to make it. So you do all that, but then folks have to go spin an arm and a leg. You're not really solving the full problem if you do that. And so instead, we really combined our team architecture and system architecture. And this is where BRAC really comes in in terms of how we were able to execute the vision that we had and really Mm -hmm. make it an economic reality. Yeah, definitely. I mean, part of what makes us different, as Austin was mentioning, was we looked at it to say, look, to design this right in the same way to make a great product, like a consumer tech product, you say, well, we need hardware and software people working closely together. We need growers and operators and engineers of all types uh, working closely together on each of the problems. Mm -hmm. So you're not going through and saying, well, let's go engineer this whole farm. It's okay, we're going to seed something. Let's talk about that whole process. And so as I walked through that before, uh, in describing how we reanalyzed each stages of this of growing, it's that team doing that. And in that sense, we've had a small team, a lot of really dedicated people that, again, because this problem is so large, you know, just a lot of people working really hard. But what you don't have, you don't have a lot of overhead. And so everybody's just able to be on the same page and everybody's kind of creating the system as they go and we go through that process. The last thing I'd also say that really kind of sets us apart on that is our tech forward approach. For me, there's a of a transcendence here. And agriculture, when you look at schools like Virginia Tech, where I went, they're all old school ad- agriculture schools and they still have that and they became tech schools but you don't really see them blending together you have Mm -hmm. all of this high technology of today the things that i was looking at and people i knew out in san francisco in silicon valley and there's a lot of tech on top of tech which is great and we need all that to evolve and that's part of what got us here but what we're doing 
it's kind of coming back full circle and saying, well, when we take that same mindset and reanalyze this from the get-go, what are all the benefits we can find when we kind of merge the old worlds and the new? And, and there's two things. It's the fact that we have figured out a lot of new great approaches to each step. Right. It's also respecting how much there's knowledge that you might call engineering today, but mm-hmm. that has existed that, that growers have, that operators have, that people doing uh, construction have, all of those things tie together when you make this integrated solution. It's just been really eye-opening. Okay, so this leads to my next question, because as most successful entrepreneurs, many have encountered their share of challenges. What were some of the obstacles that you had to press beyond in order to build fifth season to where it is today? Where should we start? So many. Uh, it's a great question when it really is. One of our core values is actually resilience. And we really describe that as, as that we adapt to ambiguity, complete the mission, and deliver results no matter the challenge. And the reason for that, starting something from scratch and trying to build a company and create this differentiated product is really, really hard. So it becomes the DNA, right? You have to start becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable. You, know, you have to start being comfortable and understanding that we say a lot, there, there's never an easy win and you have to earn them all. And it doesn't matter if it's big or small, it's always going to be difficult and you have to be ready that there's nothing that's just sort of going to be, be handed to you. And so in the end, this idea of don't stop until it's done, there's an important piece of grit as we think about the definition mm-hmm. of resilience is you continue to work through and, and dig deep across all of the challenges that you face. And trust me, many of them, they all decide to start mounting together all at once. It's amazing, I think, today in terms of challenges that come across, you know, Brack and I's desk, for example, uh, and across our teams. A few years ago, would have thought, I don't know if we're going to be able to make it through this one, right? You start to really understand mm-hmm. how much further you can go, but then the winds start to accumulate, right? And so then that positive side of resilience where you're hungry for more and that snowball of winds starts to build because of how often you've been able to create you know, because you are yourself resilient, your teams are resilient, your products are resilient, et cetera. So I really think it ebbs throughout the entire company and everything that you're doing in terms of meeting your promise. You know, look, there's so many specific examples. And the one that comes to my mind is, is obviously COVID-19. It's been difficult for everyone. And I can imagine yeah. in, in your industry, a greater challenge. Yeah, absolutely. For example, we were just launching our flagship facility in Braddock when COVID-19 hit and obviously all of the lockdowns occurred. And so we really had, you know, big chunks, half of our business, food service to restaurant, you know, it went away. Uh, And we certainly did a lot of things that we could to support those folks in the restaurant industry, which some of which haven't been able to get out from under and others are are still trying to find a way to bridge through to the other side. But we really had to then essentially create a direct to consumer business to start allowing us to get product to people right to their doors. And so all of those things were just on top of the fact that we also had to change how we worked, change how a portion of our company works with another portion of the company. We've got uh, folks that are in Braddock at the facility as an essential life-sustaining business. We could go on forever, but we certainly fully were able to really turn a lot of those challenges into some positives. We were also able to start getting salads and greens to folks potentially otherwise couldn't have. And so now we're really able to keep hitting on that promise of being able to help people access, cook and eat differently than they have before with our tech enabled delivery. What I want to talk about is I love your website, by the way, you have a wonderful website. I went to look at your products and you have now these ready-made salads. You have like toasted Tuscan, spicy Southwest, crunchy sesame salad. Where can people find your product? Yes. 
So fistiesandfresh.com, uh, they can, if you live in Pittsburgh, you know, we have a delivery radius. And so you can go on to fistiesandfresh.com. You can, you know, set up a customized subscription where you're delivering once per week or twice per week, anything of that nature across both greens. And as you mentioned, salads, where we have these really fun uh, mm-hmm. inclusions. And again, sort of really exciting, as you mentioned, in terms of the, the differentiated product yes. for people to have. And of course, not just online, but we have it in local retail stores, such as Giant Eagle. Oh, you do? Uh, Giant, okay, great. Giant Eagle Market District. Yep. Traditionally sold to Whole Foods as well. Uh, okay. And then we also have it in, in Coffee Tree Roasters and others, uh, other cafes and markets uh, similar to that. So the grab and go has been great. Fifthseasonfresh.com. I love the fact that you are influencing the community, keeping people employed and meeting a need out there. I thank you so much for being on Pressing Beyond. I look forward to coming down to Braddock and seeing your facilities. We would love to have you anytime. Oh, that'd be great. Austin and Brack, thank you so much. Thank you. Well, we'll be talking. Mm-hmm.